lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man on. It's J.R. Majewski. He is a, an Air Force veteran. He's also a guy running for candidacy. He's he's running for Ohio 9. He's a Republican. He wants that that House seat. We hope he wins it. J.R., how are you? Nice to see you. Good to see you, too, Joe. I'm doing great, man. You're thinking that we we probably met in a space on X. I got to tell you something. I don't think Elon Musk fixed X. This is just me. Free free speech, but not freedom of reach doesn't make any sense. Or lawful, but awful doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, th- I think the algorithms still keep people like you and me down. But spaces, that's a real shining star for me when it comes to Twitter, because we get to meet people like you. H- how did you even start jumping into those? Just something that you saw happening? Well, you know, I ran for uh, Congress last cycle and and I, you know, developed a following from, you know, my supporter, President Trump in the 2020 election cycle. I was the I, I earned the moniker of being his biggest grassroots supporter here in Ohio for uh, I painted his emblem on my property about the size of a football field right <laughs> along Lake Erie and um, got a call from the president. And uh, little that I know, it, it would end up in me running for Congress. And you know, I've, got, I've, I've developed, I'd say, a, a fan base or I wouldn't call them fans, but more supporter base. Yes. And anytime there's there's interesting uh, Twitter spaces, they they invite me on because they know I like to to engage. So. And I'm glad that you do, and I'm glad that we met there, and I'm glad that you're on the program now. Go and uh, support his candidacy. JRFOROhio.com. JR4Ohio.com. Let's start with Ohio. Then I want to get into what's happening on the border, then into some energy stuff as well. But explain Ohio to me. Now I spent a lot of time in Michigan, not far from Ohio. I understand the Midwest. I think. It appears mm-hmm. to be a red state that people are pushing really hard to make it blue or purple at least. Tell me about Ohio. Other than the big cities that we know are going to be deep blue because that's what urban areas are, what's the rest of the state like? Well, I think it's, you know, for the most part, the grassroots are you know, all Trump supporters. It, it, we, we like to say we're Trump country, but, you know, we're, we're suffering the same phenomena as other states across the country where the establishment has been uh, pushing back and resisting and doing every day, everything that they can to undermine the grassroots and America First movement. And so folks like myself are are tired of it. And, and we've decided to run for office to represent the people that we know have an endearment, a level of endearment for the president after he fought his butt off for us, right. uh, you know, for, for the past seven years. Where's District 9? It is along the Ohio-Michigan border. It runs from the corner of Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan all the way along uh, through Probably a quarter of the way along the southern part of Lake Erie. Okay. Through Sandusky, Ohio. Sandusky. So that's where uh, um, I've been to Cedar Point. That's where that is, right? Yep. Cedar Point's right in the district. And and, and we love Cedar Point. It's uh, J.R. Majewski. Go and uh, support his candidacy, jr4ohio.com. Uh, when I think about Ohio and, and what they call the Rust Belt, I, I guess that's a compliment. I don't, I don't like the sound of it, but it's blue collar. I'm a blue-collar guy, even though I do a job that isn't considered blue-collar. The people there, I know, align with people like you and me and align with President Trump. Yet, for some reason, when it comes to election time, either they sit on their hands or they're convinced that somehow the left is going to do more for them. Or the union says, wink and a nod, you should probably vote the way that we say vote. How do you get through that? Well, you know, for someone like me who grew up in the inner city and, you know, I, I have a pretty uh, compelling story joining the military after high school. I grew up in the worst neighborhood in the district, joined the military after high school, earned my master's degree, started off as a union worker in the nuclear power industry and worked my way up to uh, high, high level management and spent 20 years in the power industry. And, you know, it's it's just knowing how to communicate with those folks. I think that's a an art that Donald Trump has, has accomplished so well. But it's not necessarily that he's accomplished it. It's just that he's a regular guy and he doesn't pretend to be anything but that. And you know, I think the people want to hear honesty. They want to see integrity. And so long as you're willing to engage them and, and not make promises that you can't keep. 
you have nothing to lose. And uh, that that's not what we see out of our elected officials now. And, and that's why we're um, demanding so loudly that we have new representation. It's truly why Trump won in 2016. I mean, he was on the tarmac in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at 3 o'clock in the morning, Election Day. This guy didn't stop working. He outworked to Hillary Clinton and the Democrats in the upper Midwest like nobody thought he could. And that's probably why he brought it home. I mean, that's, that's who you want to hone in on as well. Uh, we, we're getting a lot of this, though, in places like Michigan, where Detroit, Hamtramck, and a couple of places are dominating the state. Even though it's a red state, it goes blue because of those pockets of people. Same thing must be happening in Ohio. So how do you convince those who are not in, I guess, Cleveland and other you know really big metropolis areas, how do you convince them they can make a difference? Because, again, a lot of people, I think, will sit at home going, I can't make a difference. The big cities are controlling what we do here. Well, you know, Donald Trump won Ohio over pretty convincingly. Right. And in, in urban areas like Cleveland, he, he dominated. And that's through his uh, his dialogue and, and engagement. I mean, he got out, came came to Ohio multiple times, um, you know, shook hands, went to local small businesses and made himself available to people. And he's continued to do that even, um, you know, during his time where he hasn't been the president before he started campaigning. I mean, we had, you know, the incident in East Palestine and he was he was here and, you know, Joe Biden wasn't. And I think that is, is a message that resonates with the people that they understand that they're not forgotten. And I think, you know, I've, I've been able to follow along that 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 same trail because Donald Trump made me interested in politics. He, he's the guy that kind of inspired me to do this. And, you know, my legacy has been one of, of an ardent supporter of his. And I don't want to say that I'm a lot like him, but my race is a lot like his. And, you know, I do have similar behavior traits in that, you know, I stand for our personal liberties and, you know, I'm tired of the establishment running amok and ruining this country. Yeah, but Joe Biden's going to go to East Palestine. He said so. He's going to go. Yeah, eventually. He's not going. <laughs> uh, it is uh, J.R. Majewski going to uh, support his candidacy, jr4ohio.com, running for Ohio 9. A lot of you listening might be in Ohio 9. Uh, talk to me about how you would feel as a representative seeing what's going on at the border in Texas. Texas has had it. They're now suing because the Biden administration is not holding up Article um, 4, Section 4 of the mm-hmm. Constitution. That clearly says the central government's got to protect states from invasion. Would you be in support of the convoy that's going near the border? Absolutely. Um, I, w- I will say that uh, and I have neighbors here that, you know, I a lot of neighbors in my uh, my community here are, are veterans, and I know five of them that left for on a convoy yesterday to go support their brothers and sisters that are down there working for Customs and Border Patrol. You know, Texas has a right to protect their sovereignty, protect their citizens, and if Joe Biden is not going to do that, you know, God bless Governor Abbott for standing up and actually following the law. That, that That's what this uh, administration has failed to do, is enforce the laws that are on the books. And Governor Abbott's brave enough to do that, and I hope the other governors along the border uh, pick up the baton and, 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 and you know stand next to him because this is a disaster what we have right now. There's a lot of talk about new legislation and there's some weak need Republicans actually talking to some Democrats in the Senate about new legislation. It would allow 5,000 people to come in illegally every day. Then we'd start enforcing the law. We throw a bunch of money down there, probably just to process people. When we know that Trump had it fixed, you'd have to spend a dime. All right. Biden has to do is undo the executive orders that he did. Should you get to Congress... How deep are you going to dig those heels in to say we're not spending another dime on a problem we can fix with a, a piece of paper? Oh, I'm 100 percent about closing the government until we get this border fixed. I mean, we're being invaded and we all know it. We're watching it happen, but nobody's doing anything. And then you have members of Congress that are standing up like Matt Gates and Corey Mills, Byron Donalds. 
And, you know, Senator J.D. Vance has been extremely vocal on, you know, the nightmare that we have down there on the border, but nobody is actually doing anything about it. And, you know, we, we just need to, I think we need to form an America First caucus and we need to, you know, lock arms and block and tackle and make sure that President Trump's agenda is seen through. We can't have a lame duck Congress like we had his first term. We have to be all gas, no brakes. And Trump's agenda needs to be moving forward and not stop. Listen, I'm 100% with you. Close the government. Uh, the purse strings, the purse strings, the purse strings. I keep on hearing how the House has the purse strings. And they keep on setting up um, continuing resolutions that are costing us trillions of dollars. It's very strange. We need more people like J.D. Vance, more people like Matt Gates, more people like you. Uh, hopefully, should you get there. Uh, JR4Ohio.com is Jared Majewski. Uh, how are you doing in the polls right now? Oh, well, in the primary polls, we're up by 19 points. So, nice. Uh, doing very well. The establishment has tried to recruit some candidates against me. Uh, they recruited one gentleman, Kevin McCarthy did, and he was caught on a phone call, uh, being very negative, calling President Trump an arrogant and didn't like him. And so once that happened, his campaign imploded. So they recruited another gentleman who they found out was scandal plagued. So, um, you know, it's 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 a shame what they're doing instead of, you know, supporting a guy like me that can win this primary very easily. Uh, they're, they're, they've, you know, resorted to re- supporting folks that they know are going to go to D.C. and, and they can pull strings and, and, you know, walk up like puppets. J.R., is it, a, is it a Democrat seat now? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a Democrat seat for 41 years, held by Marcy Camper, who's the How do you change that? Out fight. Get out and tell the truth. I was uh, on path to defeat her last cycle, and I was polling plus or minus two points in late September, and the Camper campaign and the DCCC launched a multi-million dollar lie about me and accused me of fabricating my military service and lying about serving in Afghanistan. And I I have, uh, through the help of folks like Matt Gates, by way of congressional investigation, they found that the DCCC and and Pelosi's super PAC forged my signature, had my social security number, and and lied by omission. Oh, my goodness. um, Yeah, I spent 11 months after the election working with the Air Force, and I've been awarded the Global War on Terrorism Medal, which I didn't have. Because I was out of the service before George Bush created it, but right. you know that was that was the lie that their um, you know that was what their lie was based off of. I'm glad you exposed them, and hopefully the people watching and listening in District Nine know now that that was just BS to win an election. I wouldn't put anything beyond that. I wouldn't put anything past them though. So come out of the primary, and you got to come out swinging. Do you have the support of Trump right now or not? Um, well, we haven't officially asked him, but I was endorsed by him last cycle. I've been endorsed by J.D. Vance, Matt Gates, Cash Patel, Rick Grinnell, Corey Mills, Byron Donalds. So, you know, the, the the whole slew of America first. So it's just a point of, of getting in front of the president and asking him. And he's been so busy with the, the caucuses. You know, I'm known in the state as being a Trump supporter. He's invited me, you know, to his to Mar-a-Lago to Bedminster. He's written my uh, my mother notes. He sent Christmas cards, birthday cards. So nice. yeah, I know I know that I'm in his orbit. But you know, I I just have uh, the temperament that I'll ask him when you know I know he's not too busy. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get his endorsement. It's only a matter of time. Good, and that'll mean a lot. It's J.R. Majewski. Go and uh, support his candidacy. Jr4ohio.com and it's for Ohio.com. Let's talk about energy. So Biden administration tells Texas, you have 24 hours to get out of our way and let us cut the razor wire down. And by the way, they just that Supreme Court case did not decide anything other than the um, the injunction that Texas asked for is going to be removed. So the DHS can cut the wire. But Texas is able to put more wire down, twice as much wire down. They can still continue to enforce their new laws on the border. Um, Biden threatens 24 hours. And we all went 24 hours or what? 
and it, we, we found out what the or what was. The next day, he pretended it was disconnected, but it wasn't. He decided to stop exporting LNG, liquefied mm-hmm. natural gas. That's something that's a deal that we made with the EU, that Trump made with the EU, telling them, don't buy it from Russia. How dare you? We're protecting you from Russia. You have to buy it from us. Biden decided to stop it because of climate change. Um, you and I both know that was a punishment to Texas, that sure. because Texas is big business when it comes to LNG. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you do about something like that? We've got an administration that has shown it will now weaponize energy with the lie of climate change. And you're a guy who wants us to be energy independent again, wants us to be a net energy exporter again. How do you fight that? Well, I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard when you have feckless leaders in Congress that aren't willing to do anything. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the Biden administration, and it started with Obama. I mean, the, the war on energy started with Obama. It's all yes. about the donor class, who's putting money in whose pockets. Uh, they know that these EVs, they know that green energy doesn't work. They're uh, subsidizing the marketplace and it's distorting energy costs. We're paying, you know, two to three thousand more dollars a year uh, as, as general consumers. And, you know, I think 60 percent of Americans or maybe higher are living paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, what is it going to take? I mean, is the economy going to have to break because energy is, you know, the uh, the buttress of, of our economy? Um, you know, we, we just need to put together an energy policy that is focused on the consumer, that's consumer friendly. Let the consumer choose what energy source that they want. If they want to have a solar panel and wind, wind turbine, fine, but don't make their neighbor pay for it. Right. You know, and, and that, that's not what we have right now. Right now we have a push for energy that's not going to work, that's going to cripple our grid and is going to force us into a position where we're selling out to China. I know that you're a nuclear energy expert, and and I've often wondered, why don't we use nuclear more? It's the cleanest energy out there. It lasts for a very, very long time. Is it because we we still remember Three Mile Island, because we still remember Ukraine, uh, or I guess it was Russia at the time, but or the Soviet Union, Chernobyl? Is, is that the fear, or is there a major push that we're not really aware of as the general public of, from other energy sources saying we've got to keep nuclear out or else we're done? It's a double-edged sword, right? It's, it's hyper-regulation that, that forces the nuclear power industry into, uh, I would say, marketing platforms that aren't necessarily focused on consumer education. You know, I live right by a nuclear power plant here, and I would say that 60 to 70 percent of the residents that drive by believe the cooling tower is the reactor. And that's a product of, you know, the utilities working and, and, and existing in a regulated market space where they've sold their energy at a right. certain guaranteed price for years. And then when the Obama administration came out with their subsidies and they started pushing green energy, it, it undercut the market. And they've spent the better part of their entire existence in the, pot, in the nuclear industry, not necessarily educating, uh, you know, the people that buy the energy. And so uh, the, the, the left would love to keep it that way. And so they're hyper-regulating them in other areas to keep their, uh, their overhead costs so high and their capital costs so high that they don't have the ability to uh, perform market outreach. They just don't. Well, strictly speaking, isn't nuclear energy the cleanest energy? Absolutely. Zero emissions. Zero emissions whatsoever. And again, it's unbelievably efficient. Um, the people will argue back, well, what about those, uh, what, what, what do they call the, the leftover reactor poles or stakes or whatever they were taking spent them into? Fuel. Yeah, spent fuel rods. Yeah, they, 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 were, they were taking the spent fuel rods to Nevada, and that wasn't fair, and it's uh, going to pollute the entire, nobody can live in Nevada or something soon. I mean, it, was that all a, a bunch about nothing, or do these spent fuel rods really need to be handled differently. I mean, what's the story with them? That's That was the latest scare tactic that we heard about nuclear. Yeah, so spent fuel can be recycled, and there's a, a definite push. There's 
a couple of startup com- companies in the United States right now. Curio Solutions is one of them. Um, spent nuclear fuel was my specialty in the, in the industry at the back end of my career. So, you know, we're, we're currently housing spent nuclear fuel on reactor sites across the country because of the failure at, at Yucca Mountain, which was closed by the Obama administration. So, you know, there's a, a huge market potential. I mean, you're talking a five to $10 billion uh, market to hire Americans at you know high high paying jobs. If we were to recycle nuclear uh, spent fuel rods, I'm sorry, and we can reuse that energy. When these fuel pellets come out of the reactor, they've only used five percent of their energy potential. Oh wow! So we're putting them into storage with ninety five percent energy potential, and we're letting them decay. And we could be reprocessing and reusing that fuel, and not having to worry about you know uranium mining and, and uranium uranium reserves, and the fact that Hillary Clinton sold us out to Russia. Yes, I, I got to tell you something. It's all it's all great, but I'm I'm 57 years. I know I look like I'm about 26, but I'm 57, and I've never learned much of anything about nuclear energy. And that's what you said you said at the beginning. Give me about 30 seconds if you don't mind. What do you think it would take to educate the the general public about the the safety concerns and how nuclear actually works? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. The the way that nuclear power operates is through you know superheating water and creating steam and spinning a turbine, and that turbine spins. You know other other forms of, of of equipment, which then you know powers out into the transformers, which throws it onto the grid and comes to your home. It, it's a very very simple process. Every form of energy, uh, you know, it, when we talk about natural gas, we talk about coal and nuclear. Right. You know, those are just the uh, combustibles, if you will. Right. That's just the, uh, the 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 material used to actually spin a turbine or create steam to spin a turbine. I mean, from the from the steam production all the way to the power line, it's essentially the same mechanism that produces electricity. Very interesting. Go and support his candidacy. It's jr4ohio.com. J.R. Majewski. J.R., come on again. I wish you nothing but the best in this election, and uh, let's talk more, okay? Absolutely, sir. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. J.R. Majewski coming on. I also appreciate you hanging out today. All three hours, hopefully. Make sure you make your way back tomorrow. That is Polo. That is Sam. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. We're back tomorrow. An amazing night. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.